It's time for the Raging Cajun Army, the only place where it's all Cajuns all the time. And now, here's your host, Matt Miguez. Cajun Nation, welcome in to another edition of the Raging Cajun Army. Matt Miguez here. And there's a lot to talk about this week with recruiting. And you know, later in the show, Jerry will join me to talk about basketball and Christmas holidays and you know, all that all that good stuff. But joining me now from 247 Sports covering the Cajuns in all things recruiting is Billy Embody. Billy, what's going on, man? Not too much, man. How about you? Thanks for having me. How was your uh, How was your holidays? It was great. It was great. Got to spend some time with the family, and and then uh, now back on the the college football playoff grind, and and getting ready for uh, the All American Bowl uh, season too. Now, are are you in Atlanta with uh, LSU? Because I know you cover them as well. Nope, we're not not in Atlanta right now. Covering it from afar, I'm actually up in uh, in Dallas right now. Okay. Okay. So let, let's go ahead and just dive right into the the Cajuns recruiting class. I want to get your your overall opinion on the class this year, the the uh, the seventeen guys that that Louisiana signed in the early signing period. Yeah, I think overall it's a class that ranks third in the in the Sun Belt, and and really with a smaller class, I think that that's probably about right in terms of where they were able to land. But what stands out the most is the skill position players in this class. I mean, you look at how they went into Texas and pulled somebody like uh, three-star three running back Amani Bailey. He's one of the most explosive running backs in in really probably the the, the state of Texas, and his and his senior tape and production is is among the best probably in the country. But he's a little little uh, under recruited. He's small um, in in terms of his stature, his height, but uh, he's a pretty powerful running back, and and I think he's uh, really underrated and and is a guy that can come in right away. I think and contribute, and then. The biggest one for me is is Kyron Lacey right out of Thibodeau. They were able to get him to shut things down and sign early, which is just incredible. I mean, probably the best recruiting job that Billy Napier and his staff have done since arriving in Lafayette. And and he's a big, strong, um, productive wide receiver that can come in right away and, and compete. And he was wanted by Power 5 programs, and he's he's a legit Power 5 prospect. And, and then... Dante Manning is another is another prospect out of out of uh, junior college out of the corner uh, uh, excuse me out of um, uh, East St John who's who's another terrific uh, terrific prospect as well so I mean they they just really cleaned up at the skill position player uh, players and then uh, versatility is another thing that Billy Napier and his staff do a great job of Caleb Anderson somebody that could play a bunch of different positions Andre Pope is a running back out of Alabama that could probably play a linebacker Trey Amos. Uh, out of New Iberia Catholic is is a terrific athlete. Tyree Skipper out of New Orleans, all just athletes that could play all over the field. So they did a really good job of of uh, getting all of those guys on board. Now you you mentioned Imani Bailey being you know underrated and and a, a strong running back for the Cajuns. Do you think he's one of the best running backs in the country to sign with a G five program? 
Yeah, I think so. Out of out of that group, and and we've kind of bumped him up to a high three star on twenty four seven, and he might not be done, but for whatever reason, he just ended up not really being just recruited that hard, and it's really bizarre. He plays for one of the best best high school programs in Texas. He's super productive. He's rushed for over twelve hundred yards every season of of high school football. Um, averaged ten yards a carry this year. Had had twenty four rushing touchdowns as well. So I mean, just somebody that that just kind of has a really good package. He's just undersized at maybe five nine, but he's but he's built kind of like a truck, about two hundred pounds. So um, he's just a really good prospect, and I, I'm just surprised at really how under recruited he was. And then you also talked about Kyron Lacey out of Thibodeau and how he had some attractive offers from P five schools, including Miami. Why, in in your opinion, were the Cajuns able to hang on to him? So I think there's a couple things that they they were on him early. They had him. They have a great relationship with his family, and and I just think they did a really good job recruiting him and 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 saying, hey, look, this is this is a terrific opportunity for you to come in and play right away. You know us. You 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 can trust us. All of that to to make sure that you're you're in a good spot to succeed. And and I think he just bought in and he signed early. And look, I I think he would have. He still has some some work to do in the classroom, but but he's in a good spot where I think he's going to end up being eligible and and ready to go right away. And so I mean that might have he might have said you know what I'm just going to go ahead and sign and and get things done now. But yeah, he's a uh, he's just a terrific terrific kid and 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 just want to stay loyal to to where he committed in the first place. Chatting with Billy Embody of twenty four seven Sports. Now Billy, update on Mason Narcisse. I know he's got a great relationship with Kyron Lacey and Dante Fleming. He decommitted from Tulane, you know, kind of kind of looking to for for a new home. And a lot of Cajun fans expected him to sign in the early signing period, but now he's waiting till February. Yeah, I, I think for him, a lot of a lot of these defensive linemen that that don't sign early, they end up just just kind of blowing up. So I'm really interested to see what happens with Mason. He's a big kid. He's a true nose tackle in my mind. Um, somebody that I think the Cajuns are in a good spot for. And, and I think probably at this point would probably end up being, being, uh, being a raging Cajun, but these defensive linemen, they do end up being highly recruited late. And so that's something that Billy Napier and his staff will try to get out in front of. I think they've got all the momentum right now. They've, they've got, they just had him on campus for his official visit. And so, um, it'll just be a situation where they're just going to have to push and push and try and get him, get him to, uh, to, to commit here in the, in the coming weeks. Now, is, is it possible that any of these recruits like Lacey, Amos, Anderson, Narcisse, is it possible any of those guys are four-star signees come February? Uh, I don't think any of them outside of maybe Kyron Lacey. Just the, the thing with Kyron is, is we wish we, we had, had verified, you know, um, testing numbers on him, but he really didn't camp anywhere. He didn't, he didn't do any of that, but he went out and just balled his senior year. I don't know if it'll be enough for him to make a huge, huge jump like that, but, uh, he's the one I would circle at least, uh, to be a potential four star in my mind. Now I, I know we're, we're still a good two months, a month and a half away from signing day in February, are there any potential surprises Cajun fans should be should be made aware of? Man, if I knew the surprises, I'd I, I'd, I'd be I'd have a little crystal ball. I'd share them. Uh, but no, I, I think I think right now they're in a really good spot. They don't have many spots left. I think you'll see them pay attention to the transfer portal potentially as well. 
So I think those are where the surprises could come from. Maybe adding a, a you know a player that can come in right away and compete at a position they feel like they need to upgrade, and and that's something that you're seeing a lot of group of five teams do a good job of doing. And I think the Cajuns will probably start to explore that. But yeah, I, I uh, at this point I, I think it's a little early for for some surprises. Now, are are there any targets that were high on the Cajuns list that they maybe came up short on? You know, I I don't want to say that they that they didn't have uh, anyone that they they missed on, but I, I think one would be, um, and it, of course, naturally his name is escaping me, but he's from Destrehan. He's a defensive tackle. Uh, he's a really really good prospect that I like a lot, and his name is just escaping me right now. But he really blew up. He signed with Tulane uh, and stayed home with them. Um, but I saw him in the spring, and he actually went from playing linebacker to uh, to to defensive end and now defensive tackle and and he was just excellent noah uh talianich uh he's about yeah. six yeah 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 260 and he's just really 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 good football player and and when you look at defensive linemen and the ones that develop into really good players you look for you look for athleticism you look for for maybe growing into your body a little bit later than than most and that's what he's done and and he's just kind of an ox in the middle and so i think he's going to end up being a really good prospect and and one that um one that uh ul probably wishes they they would have gotten on board there are any players that the cajuns could flip in february you know i i think it's a little early right now i think they're gonna this they're gonna um see who signed who didn't sign and, and kind of circle the wagons and and see you know, maybe if there's prospects out there that they could flip and and kind of go from there. But but right now, I think they've they've kind of been on that uh that bowl. They they're on a little bit of a break right now, but but uh you know doing that bowl grind and bowl prep. But but they'll they'll test the waters on a lot of these guys um, as as the the month of January gets going. Now, Billy, you know one one last thing I really want to talk about. Even at, there there were a lot of needs for the Cajuns going into this signing class. You know. The linebacker core needed some upgrading. We were losing a lot of depth in the wide receiver ranks. Um, I know some people agreed that they wanted to get one more veteran running back in in that group. Now, even even after what we've seen so far in the class, what positions in your mind are still in need for Louisiana? Yeah, I, I think you need that veteran running back. So they'll they'll that, I think that's where the transfer portal comes into play. That'll be the, the area to watch. Um, I, I just think you got to upgrade that position and keep it keep it rolling the way they've been been rolling um, at that position. I think one of the underrated spots you talk about linebackers that they did a good job is is bringing in Ahmad Johnson out of Mississippi. He had a couple Power Five opportunities and offers on the table too, so they upgraded that position. Did a good job there. I think I think corner corner is always a, a position where you think you can upgrade and and you need to. Um, so that'd be one to watch as well. But overall, I mean, I think they've done a really good job just ticking off needs and, and, and addressing them in this class. Yeah, and, you know, the the Sunbelt Conference as a whole, you know, especially last year and this year, has done a, a, a solid job of recruiting. In, in your mind, looking at the recruiting class and then the rosters that already that have already been put together, give us a, a way too early – Conference champion for 2020. Oh my gosh! Um, well, I think I think the Cajuns not not to be uh, you know playing to the crowd here, but but the Cajuns. I mean, they've got a lot of a lot of continuity, a lot of uh, 
Um, you know, they, they're they not turning over their coaching staff like App State is. I think maybe this is the year that, that they get it done and they, they push back. Anytime you've got a veteran quarterback coming back, it's a good thing. And Levi Lewis is tremendous. So uh, I think I think this year uh, UL gets it done. Well, Billy, we appreciate you joining us. Enjoy the LSU game today. And uh, we can talk in February after National Signing Day about the, the changes from December to February. Perfect. Sounds good. Thanks for having me, and uh, Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Billy. Thanks, man. Cajun Nation, welcome back. Matt Miguez here. Quick news breakdown from the University of Louisiana. Alex Allen has been removed from the football roster ahead of the Lending Tree Bowl due to an arrest for second-degree battery. In softball news, Taylor Fawcett, freshman from Arizona has announced her transfer to the University of Rutgers, reason being unknown. Men's basketball going to host UC Santa Barbara tomorrow in the friendly confines of the Cajun Dome. Jerry will join me here in a minute to talk about all that. Women's basketball on the road tomorrow to play Jackson State. And we'll be back in 10 seconds with more Raging Cajun Army. And we're back. Matt Miguez here, and joining me as he always does, Jerry Abear. Jerry, what's going on, man? How was your Christmas? Hey, uh, good morning. Um, oh, it's, it went well. Got to see the family. Went to New Orleans for a few days. Um, got to see all the, like I said, got to see the family and the cousins. All my little cousins, and um, spent time with my parents as well as as my wife's. Um, we had a, we had a blast. It was a good time, and got to exchange gifts and do the typical the christmas the christmas spiel if you will and uh it was a great time for for family and friends and um just a just a fun time overall to kind of get away and and celebrate the season tis the season right we're technically still in the christmas season so i'm still trying to be in the spirit as much as possible right you didn't get any cold did you uh yeah a little bit (laughs) i'm kind of i'm actually kind (laughs) of along with the rest of uh, South Louisiana, I'm, uh, my, the Mrs. and I are kind of struggling right now. Um, you know, it's just something that's going around. I just, uh, advise people to, to stay safe and, and try to, don't try to stress yourself out too, too much because, uh, your body can only take so much. Right. So, um, I'm trying to still function as much the best way I can and, uh, just try to try to let the body do its thing. And, and hopefully, uh, come new year, uh, we'll be able to get better and have a fresh start. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I hope that you and both both you and Kayla get to feeling better as quickly as as possible. How was your uh, How was your holiday and your Christmas? Y'all, you, you and know, Caitlin went. Uh, got to got to celebrate in the spirit as well. I'm actually celebrating now. Um, oh, um, due to due to the job duties. <laughs> yeah, I had to I had to stay home for Christmas Day. But uh, I was I was able to get an extended period of time off for New Year's, so awesome. I'm I'm down I'm down here in New Orleans with Caitlin's family, um, you know, just hanging out, spending some time together. Okay, we just watch, missed each watch other. That, watch that good old LSU game today. <coughs> yeah, we got we got some playoff football. The bowl season has been a lot of fun to watch. Um, I've noticed that there's been a lot of. I can't help but look and see the the different teams that have played in the bowl games, and and I just catch myself every time. Can the Cajuns compete with them? Can the Cajuns play them? Oh, look, can the Cajuns beat this team? And um, it's nice to be in that conversation now, especially with the success that this football team had this season. 
it's nice to kind of say that you're you're in that you're in that group um, with these other football teams competing for bowl trophies and and, and some postseason play. Um, it was it was interesting watching a few of the bowl games the other day, and particularly uh, Louisiana Tech and uh, and University of Miami in the Independence God, Bowl. That game was awful. It was awful, but I kept asking myself, could I mean, is there a chance that um, is is there a chance that like we could we, we we could compete with either school? And I think so. Um, it just goes, and it's a compliment. It's a compliment to what what our football team has done, and how how far they've come along in these these short two two years. So um, it's nice to be in that conversation now. And uh, I know we're going to be talking a little bit of recruiting as well. And and you know <laughs> that's where it starts. You got to get the athletes that that can compete at that level. And I think we're there. Yeah, and you know, you said you mentioned recruiting. I, I spoke with with Billy Embody in the first half of this episode, and you know, we we talked a lot about the different players in the recruiting class and the overall strength of the class. I want to get your opinion. You know, what, what what did you think about the early signing period? Who do you think has the most potential? You know, stuff like that. Um. Well. Well. Overall, I was impressed. Um. You know. The the. You know. You know me. I'm not. <clears throat> excuse me that Christmas cold sneaking up on me um you know I'm not uh I'm I'm in no by no means a pro when it comes to recruiting analysis like some of our friends that that are you know that follow this stuff religiously um but looking at some of the names and looking at some of the schools that we competed with to get these signees it was was outstanding um you know I, I'm just looking at a few schools I mean we've gotten we got recruits um, who were looked at by schools like Tennessee, uh, Southern Miss, Louisiana Tech, Oklahoma State, um, Air Force, Army. I mean, it, it's just the, to, the the level of talent that that Coach Napier has and his coaching staff have have been able to sign uh, these past couple seasons has been has been impressive. I mean, you look at someone like um, I mean, one one player that stuck out to me, and I noticed we're getting a lot of skill guys. Uh, one guy stuck out to me was a uh, Cortland Flowers or Cortland Flowers cornerback yeah. from yeah. Uh, South Oak Cliff, Cliff High from Dallas, Texas. Um, they said he was ranked as number eighty-four cornerback nationally, thirty-nine tackles, eleven tackles for losses, five interceptions, a forced fumble as a senior. I mean, he was looked at by Arizona, Georgia Tech, Houston, Kansas, Utah State, Rutgers. I mean, that's impressive, man. That's impressive. Um. You know, and I know we've got we got a few cornerbacks. Uh, another guy we got, defensive lineman. I believe he's a tackle. Got to give a shout out, fellow Jesuit Blue Jay, Sonny Hazard or Sonny Hazard. Um, I think he's going to be a nice a nice add on. Some more some more depth on the D line. Um, Kyron Lacey from Thibodeau High, wide receiver. Um, other offers from Southern Miss, University of Miami, Houston, Virginia. I mean Kansas. Yes. Kyron was a huge get. I mean, that when you're competing against those type of schools and you're getting players like that to come to play at at Louisiana, that's 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 unreal. That's how you that's how you put yourself and position yourself for a top 25 spot when you're able to get that type of talent. Uh, One other player that I was impressed with. um, I I was looking I was looking through the list before our our our. uh, our, our pod today. Um, another one that I, I kind of like was, um, who was it? I was just looking at him just now. Um, 
And there's a long list. I mean, I think we have, what, 17 or 18 signees in this yeah, period? Um, one one guy I liked, and, I, and I'm kind of curious to see how he does, is, is and I, we've been needing, we need some offensive linemen. I know we got depth, but what about Jack McKenzie? Uh, yep. Parkland Academy from uh, Macomb, Mississippi. Uh, he had other offers from Louisiana Tech, ULM, Air Force, Central Arkansas. Um, number six offensive lineman in Mississippi by 247 Sports. Class 6A defensive player of the year. Um, picked to play in the Mid-South Association Independent Schools All-Star Game. Second team, Max Preps, Mississippi All-State pick. ACT score of a 32, so he's a smart guy. He'll be able to follow the, his blocking schemes quite well. Um, right. I mean, these are the type of guys to me that – make a difference. Um, you know, I can tell when you when you have a 32 ACT, you must be pretty smart uh, from a fundamental standpoint, guys like that who, who understand the game from a, from a mental, a mental aspect. That's where, that's where they help. Um, I, I'm just, I mean, and then another guy, uh, Ma Johnson linebacker from Mississippi. I, uh, I can't even pronounce the name. Pelahatchee attended yeah, center. Pelahatchee. Other offers. Tennessee, South Alabama, Indiana, Southern Miss, Austin P. Coach Hud School. Coach Hud wanted him. Um, state's number three ranked linebacker out of Mississippi. I mean, what about players? Uh, Amani Bailey, that running back? Yeah, I'm looking at his information. I'm looking at his stats and information from Denton, Texas. He was um, he played in a few playoff games. Um, yeah, he he was a little under recruited, but. You know, I and and you heard in the earlier part of the episode with Billy. Billy regards him as one of the best G five signees in the country at running back. Sleeper, yeah, sleeper. I mean, they Billy like like Billy said. You know, he was under recruited because of his size, but you know the the kid averaged ten yards a carry in in his senior year. So yeah, he I, had one other he had one other FBS offer from Tulsa. Yeah, yeah, the rest of them, and I think Northwestern State, one was San Angelo State, or Angelo State, I'm sorry, um, East Central from Oklahoma. But when you play at that level in Texas, anywhere 5A or above, I mean, you're competing. It's almost like a semi-junior college level of right. talent that's there. Um, and he's had the chance to play not only at that level, but he played, like I said, in a few playoff games, especially um, in – in Texas to be able to play in a semifinal game or even in the state championship. I mean, that's, it's almost like its own all-star game when you really think about it, playing against that level of talent. Um, I look to me, we, we have a reputation here for having depth at the running back position, adding any type of running back that fits this scheme just makes it more dangerous. Um, I don't know what to expect from Mr. Bailey. But I do know that when you add that type of depth and you you have those type of expectations, I think he understands that, you know, he's going to have expectations to come in because of the depth that they've been able to create at this at this level. Um, I'm excited about it. I am kind of curious to see how he does. Um, and one more guy I want to talk about, Caleb Anderson, East Feliciana yeah. High School. His other offers, Utah, Virginia, Tulane, Louisiana Tech, Southern Miss, Army, Air Force, where are we getting these guys, man? The mind of Billy Napier. Number four athlete, ranked number four athlete in Louisiana by 247 Sports. Dual threat quarterback and play receiver. I mean, yeah. these are the type of players that – these are the type of players that can play those multi-positions. And you look at it from the bigger schools. 
LSU has a reputation for doing this, or at least they used to. When you sign guys that can play on both sides of the football and they're skilled players and they can bring your team pretty far in high school, I mean, those are players with pro pro potential. Um, yeah. I thought that was an impressive sign as well. Um, I mean, I, again, I noticed we've signed a lot of – we did sign a lot of uh, – skilled players, especially on the defensive side, uh, cornerbacks, signed a few cornerbacks. And I'm curious to see if we're going to move some around. I don't know if we're going to keep them in that position. I mean, some of them look like they have some speed that comes with their step. Um, But it's exciting. It's exciting to see um, the type of talent they've signed. It's exciting to see what what, what they'll bring. And it's exciting to see how soon they'll start. And how soon, not start, but how how soon they'll be able to play. Because one thing – uh, this coaching staff did this year is they gave a lot of reps to a lot of younger guys, preferably freshmen and sophomore uh, defensive players. Um, and you look at guys on the offensive side like Peter LeBlanc and the impact he's made with that with that offense this year. So don't don't be surprised if you see some of these names on the field as soon as next season. Uh, I believe I want to say that with the new recruiting rule that some of these players are allowed to um, to practice now yep. if they're enrolled. Couple, they? of, couple of them have already joined the team. That's awesome. That's great. I mean, that's extra. That's extra experience you get. And then on top of that, you're pra- you get to practice. Just imagine your first time practicing with your with the with the college that you've chosen to commit to, and you're practicing for the bowl game with these guys. Yeah, no. I mean, just no, imagine that. That's how awesome is that? That's that's definitely something that these guys should you know take in and be proud of. Uh, you know, Jerry, let's let's shift to the to the bowl game ever so slightly. Sure. Uh, I don't want to get I don't want to get in too much detail because we're gonna we're obviously gonna have a preview episode, you know the week the week before the game, but you know looking at Miami of Ohio, looking at the way Louisiana's played, you know just overall, what are your initial early thoughts going into this bowl game? You know, when it comes to bowl season, you really can't. Um, I mean, on paper, I think the Cajuns are a better team. Obviously, I notice. Uh, quite a few of Miami's games this season were really close games. Um, you know, I I don't know much about Miami of Ohio. Uh, I talked to a buddy of mine. He's uh, who happens to be the play-by-play guy at Ohio. Uh, yeah, Russ Eisenstein. Russ, yeah, we've been texting a little bit uh, this past week or so. I mean, kind of talking to him about what's going on up in Ohio. They actually have a bowl game in, in Boise against uh, Nevada. Yep. Uh, I believe in a couple days. Yep, yep. And um, we were kind of talking a little bit about Miami of Ohio because actually Miami, Ohio beat Ohio on a, on a weekday. It was one of those weekday nights. The Mac was called the Mac action during the week. Yeah, it was a Mac. three point game. I actually watched a little bit of it. And um, Miami has a pretty decent defense. They really don't give up too many points. Um, but at the same time, you know, some games they'll score a lot. Some games they don't. Uh, I think I see some similarities. I think, like I said, I think on paper, the Cajuns have a little more talent overall, but Miami, Ohio is a very scrappy team. Uh, I think most people picked, I mean, if you looked at the bowl projections before, you know, we were assigned our bowl game, a lot of people projected uh, the Cajuns to face uh, Central Michigan in the, um, in the bowl because uh, of the fact that they thought that they would win. They thought that you know Central Michigan would have won that championship game, and then apparently not. Miami, Miami, Ohio took the took the trophy, and now we're facing the Red Hawks instead of the Chippewas. So, uh, I mean, look, they they won their they won their conference. They won their conference. Um, they're a good football team. You know, I mean, 
I've always known about Miami, Ohio. I knew who they were. I've, you know, I guess because I, I follow, you know, I like to follow a little bit. Of, yeah, I'm not a big Mac fan per se. I mean, I don't really follow them religiously, but I know a lot about their conference. And I mean, I know, you know, this is this is where Ben Roethlisberger went. I know that this Miami, Ohio team has um, has pulled some upsets in the past. I know that uh, I believe um, Coach Gidry, uh, Lance Gidry, I believe, the former yeah. McNeese coach, he was. Uh, if you remember a few years ago, he was the interim coach at Miami for that bowl game. He it was that it was where that that um that that locker room speech, that locker room pregame speech. Oh, let's go win a damn trophy! You know that that was um, when he was the interim at Miami, and so I knew a little bit about him. Um, but overall, I, I you know there's a reason why the Cajuns are are two touchdown favorite. But I, I don't I don't want to I I don't like. I don't like to really predict bowl games because every team's going to treat it like a championship game, especially at this level, unless you're a P five and you have starters that don't want to play. But in this particular game or in this particular case, um, you know, your pride is on the line and I think Miami's going to come out swinging. I think the Cajuns are going to come out swinging and I think it should be a good game overall from what I was told by whenever Russ and I were talking um, Miami, they, he said that the Cajuns can should be able to run the ball on them. They should be able to extend some drives. Um, but another thing you want to do with Miami is you want to keep them off the field because they can elongate um, drives as well. So I think the Cajuns are going to kind of use their old, you know, grounded pound attack, mix it up a little bit in the flat with the passing game. But I, I do think the Cajuns are, you know, even though they're a two-touchdown favorite, just from what I see with both teams, I think the Cajuns, besides the spread, are automatically just – they are the favorite to win this game. Um, but you got to play the game. It's a bowl game. Um, you know, you really can't take anything for granted here. So I think it should be a good game. I like the Cajuns' chances, but uh, we'll we'll see. And we'll break it down a little bit more uh, in the next episode. But from the eye test, uh, I like this matchup. Um, I like the fact that we, you know, we get to face the MAC champion. I mean, that, 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 yeah, I'd rather that than some third-place team from some other G5 conference or some fourth-place team from some G5 conference. I mean, we're facing the MAC champs. So they're going to be – we're going to be tested. We're going to be tested. Let's talk about basketball for a little while. Um, okay. You know, obviously that's that's something that has been talked about a lot in Cajun Nation this year. Men's basketball to a slow start. And women's basketball off to a hell of a start. You know, we, sure. we can get into all that here in a second. But well, I want to focus on the men here quickly. You know, we, we, we say we're they're off to a slow start. They're... They have a losing record for the first time that I can remember. Um, it, it, it's been quite a few years since since that's happened. Cajun's currently sitting at 5-7, and seven, hosting UC Santa Barbara tomorrow in the Cajun Dome. What, and, and obviously injuries have been a huge problem for the Cajuns, you know, losing Kobe Julian for the year. Now there's talks that P.J. Hardy could be out for the year. Yeah. You know, Obviously, the injury bug has, has bit the Cajuns, you know, incredibly hard. But what other outside of injuries and what what do you think is going wrong for for Louisiana? Uh, well, injuries definitely plays a role in it. Um, I really can't tell you just based off of what I see. I mean, look, the other night against Little Rock, I mean, you're up 14 in the second half. And somehow, some way, Little Rock is able to come back and beat you. 
that's just one of those situations where you look back and you say, you know, is it only, is it just injuries? I mean, because to me in that game, you know, yes. What did it hurt to lose Kobe Julian? Absolutely. Did it hurt to lose a PJ Hardy? Absolutely. But you're up 14 in the second half. I mean, injuries obviously didn't affect you when you took a 14 point lead. Um, I think what happened was, if anything, I think one thing that hurt the Cajuns that game was, was their lack of inside play or inside presence. Um, I mean, Coach Marlin even said it after the game. You know, Little Rock used their big men to basically score the easy baskets in the second half, and there was nothing the Cajuns could do to stop it. You add that in with the fact that the Cajuns couldn't get a basket in a span of almost 10 minutes. So that's, to me, that's just bad luck. Um, that's just poor. I think that was the adjust. The, the adjustments were a little bit poor in the second half. Um, what's the overall problem with the Cajuns? I'll tell you right now, uh, besides, besides injuries, it's youth. Um, you know, we knew going into the season and we heard people say it, you know, don't really have much expectations for this team this year because we're young. And that's all we heard going into the season. We're young, we're young. And, and look, we are, we're a young team. We got a lot of young talent. I mean, you look at guys like, you know, Malik Wilson, he's got a lot of potential. Uh, you know, Calvin Temple's got a lot of potential. Duguay has a lot of potential, but even then, you look at someone like a Cedric Russell, for example, great talent, but he can't make a three-pointer to save his life. And those are the type of players you need right now to to really step up. You need sort of that small sense of seniority or senior leadership or, you know, the, nope. the small senior. Not, he's not, a, not say he's a senior, but you need that upperclassman leadership to step up. When when you need them, and, and unfortunately, I, I haven't seen that. Uh, I think. Now, let me let me let me ask you about that because in in his first two years here, Cedric Russell has kind of been electric from the three point line. What what's yeah. can can you point to a specific reason why he's cold this year? I think it's mental. I think it's mental. I mean, I don't think his mechanics changed or anything. I think it's mental. I think it's. Uh, I, I think I, I just think it's it's up it's up top. I think it's in his head. I think, look, he's got great potential. He's a great player. He has a lot of expectations. But when you're not making when you're not making the shots that you usually make, it's mental. And really, see, in, in my thing, in, in in my opinion, I think it's the expectations that are getting to him. Because I mean, he, he's now become one of the leaders of this team, and his first two years that wasn't a role that he was really in because you had the veteran transfers. So I think I think now it's the expectations of he has to step up and be the leader that that's kind of forcing him to to fall in between the cracks. Another thing, another thing is too is I think you have, um, yeah, I agree with you. Um, the expectations are definitely there. I think the expectations are also there for him because of the fact that you don't really have as many guys, upperclassmen that are really that have stepped up because there's not as many upperclassmen to begin with. Right. Um, with that being said. Um, I, I think there's more to it than that as well. I, I just think this team this year is just they're they're, you know they're they're young, but at the same time, um, you know it's the little things that count. You know, two of the losses this season so far, I mean, two of the losses have come at the expense of fifty percent of fifty percent free throw shooting. I mean, against Louisiana Tech, the team went, what, 15 for 28 from from, from the uh, free throw line? I think the game against Wyoming, the team went about 50% from the free throw line. If they make their free throws, they win that game against Wyoming. Now, Tech, not so much. I just thought Tech was the better team. But 
Um, I think there's a lot of, I think, yes, I do think injuries plays a big part. Um, but I don't think that like, I, and I know people are going to get mad at me for saying this, but I really don't care at this point. I don't think injuries are going to affect. I don't think they would make that much of a difference per se. Like I do think it'll affect a few games. Like I think if the Cajuns lose, you know, three or four games, I think injuries can affect that. I think the absence of Kobe Julian can affect that. But at the same time, the other night you're up 14 points. I mean, if you, I mean, you're up 14 points and you lose, that's not injuries. Right. That's not being able to adjust. It has nothing to do with injuries because if you were injured, you wouldn't be able to jump to a 14 point lead. And to add fuel to, to add fuel to the fire, I mean, Little Rock had, I think, three starters out before the season yep. even started. They were, they had injuries. Their leading scorer, the league's leading scorer in that game, filed out or not filed out, sat out most of the second half because he was in foul trouble. So they were playing with a, with a, with sort of a, a half limp team and they got it done. They came back from 14 points. And you know, this is, this is the fan talking. It's frustrating because there's to me, like I, you blow a 14 point lead at home. I mean, that, that deflates, that deflates confidence. One thing's for sure about this team. And I've noticed about this team. I don't think they're going to quit. I'll give them that much, but I think that road to where we want to go as a, as a, as, as a, from a fan's expectations it got a lot. It just got a lot steeper. Um, you know, I'll be at the game on Sunday uh, against UC Santa Barbara. I want to see what this team can do and how it responds against a good Santa Barbara team that you know that has a reputation for being good. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what to expect right now. Uh, I know that there is a very steep climb. Um, I know this next these next six or seven games are going to be pretty tough. Um, you know, now that you're getting right into the heart of conference, I want to say this is the last non-conference game against Santa Barbara before going really deep into conference play. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be an uphill climb. And, um, you know, with the injuries, you're going to have to play some guys that otherwise wouldn't get much play time. For example, a guy like Christian Lafayette, he's going to have to step up, you know, he's going to have to step up. He's going to have to get some more play time and, and fill in that void. Um, but Overall, it's um, – I mean, I don't know what to think. It's, it is it is what it is. Um, I, I just think right now they're, you know, they're, they're playing with a half limp because they have so many injuries. At the same time, you know, they were good enough to beat that Little Rock team. So I don't want to hear, well, we were injured the other night. We were injured, but we also had a 14-point lead. I don't want to hear it, you know. I mean, we just, we just couldn't make the adjustments. And it happens. It's going to happen from time to time. The question is now, instead of worrying about – who's hurt and this and that, how does this team respond? And, and we can, we can answer that question starting, starting on Sunday against, against uh, UC Santa Barbara. Yeah. You, well, let me ask you this. What, what did, what was the vibe you got from that little rock game? Disappointment. Um, if, if, I mean, if I'm honest, I mean, my, my opinion, you're up 14 in the Sun Belt at home in the second half. That's a win. Well, we also hear it's hard to win on the road in the Sun Belt. You know, so I mean, it, and it's, you, you blew a fourteen point lead, and and it's, it's and it's it, one game. I think, I think it comes. I think it comes down to you just you didn't take care of business, and I think it also comes down to, and I'm just gonna be blunt with it. It comes down to poor coaching. Yeah. Well, I think like the game against Arkansas State. I mean, that was probably the worst officiated game that I can remember. I mean. I thought that was a horrible, uh, 
I mean, it was horribly officiated. I know, you know, uh, when you call 10 technical fouls and <laughs> I think that was, there's no question. It was horrible. It was horrible. Um, that's ending that in the bell, dude. I mean, and that, that's, just, I mean, that, that was bad at the same time. It cost, it also cost us a loss as well. Um, and then down the stretch, down the stretch in that game, the Cajuns couldn't respond to, to Arkansas state's inside presence. Right. And I think, again, it goes back to being able to step up in the inside game. Um, I understand, for example, like Duguay. Look, Duguay came in because he can shoot threes. He's a big man. Maybe right now we're going to need him a little bit more on the inside. And that goes for Christian Lafayette as well. We're going to need some size on the inside. Teams are teams have beaten us on the inside all season so far. We lack a big inside presence. Um, also, too, one thing the team needs to improve on are, are mid-range jump shots. We don't we we don't shoot mid range shots. Everything is a layup or a three pointer. Mid range shots, got to make them. Got to make them. Um, that's one thing they've been lacking all season long. For example, a Cedric Russell is perfect for that. He's great on the mid range shots. I wish he would take more of them. But we're going to need more of that as well, uh, especially if the inside presence lacks. Um, so I don't know. I, I I just I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. Let's let's shift to women's basketball for a second. You know, seven and three. They've already matched their win total from last season. What what do you think's gone right for the girls? What do you think they've improved on? Um, and you know how how do they continue to to have that dominance down the stretch? Um, well, one thing I've seen is that they've been able to, they're a lot more aggressive driving down the lane. Uh, I had the chance to go to that education game last week and watch them play Mississippi state. And I mean, it's Mississippi state. I mean, this team beat UConn a few years ago and the Cajuns hung with them, you know, um, until about the final three minutes when Mississippi state just sort of pulled away. And one thing I've noticed about that game where the, C- the the Cajuns have made made a lot of shots from the inside and they were making mid-range shots they were able to drive down the lane they were able to be they were very aggressive they were very very much in attack mode and i like that about this team uh, coach broadhead has done a fantastic job utilizing that utilizing speed they got a lot of girls who are fast up and down the court they have they have speed when it comes to driving down the lane and and making shots and forcing shots sometimes you don't want to force it too much but they they done they did a great job the, that that day, um, being able to be very aggressive, and I like that about this team. Um, you know, right now, uh, Coach Broadhead was able to get you know pretty much a fully healthy team. He got his team back, and um, they play well together. I can see the chemistry on the court. Um, defensively, they do a great job rebounding. Uh, obviously, you know against Mississippi State, you know when you have a team like Mississippi State with size. A lot more offensive rebounds on State's part than ours, but that doesn't stop them from playing aggressive defense. Um, you know, to go on the road at Ole Miss and win by 11 points. Now, granted, Ole Miss isn't you know the greatest team, but you still, I mean, you could put a, a an SEC West win on your resume. That's nice, you know. But I was very impressed uh, with Coach Broadhead, uh, his team, and what the girls have been able to do. They've come a long way since the past two or three seasons. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of curious now to see what they'll do in conference because they're off to a good start. You know, they haven't beaten 
they haven't beaten like the, any world beaters, but they've won the games they've supposed to win, and they've won the games against teams that are sort of on our level. You know, they have a few Southland Conference wins. Uh, again, they won on the road at Ole Miss. They went toe-to-toe in Mississippi State until like the final few minutes. So now I'm curious to see how they do in conference. That's really going to tell the tale. Um, and I'll say it about the men's as well. Um, I, I held my judgment until conference play, and I'll still do the same thing uh, for both men and women's. Conference is where it's at. And we'll see if they can finish not only above 500, but hopefully they can finish somewhere in the top four and position themselves for a good spot um, in the conference tournament. And hopefully uh, Coach Broadhead and his girls can can get over that hump and get this team to the dance. Yeah, no, absolutely. Jerry, appreciate you joining me as always. That's going to do it for this episode. We'll talk next week, and um, we'll get ready to preview the bowl game against Miami. Good stuff, man. Always a pleasure. And uh, to everybody out there, Cajun Nation, just want to wish you guys a a Merry Christmas season as well as a Happy New Year. And um, I know right now it's that time of year where things start to wind down. It's the calm before the storm. This is like that that week leading up to New Year's where you just kind of chill and relax. And once the New Year hits, you start off fresh. So to everybody, uh, hopefully this was a good year for you guys. Uh, Let's hope that uh, 2020 brings much more – much better, much good results, and uh, just a good fresh start. Yeah, 2019 was a great year for us here at Raging Cajun Army. Like you said, we, we're hoping that the 2020 brings us even, even more than what 2019 did. Yes, sir. All right, Jerry. That's it, Cajun Nation. We'll talk to you next week. Until then, go Cajuns.